Maths, it's a dirty word, isn't it? Especially if you take the learning outside. In today's episode, we're talking to a homeschool mama who's created a whole curriculum in maths and reading that is as wild as it gets. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Cabby Cabby and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their songlines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. My name is Vicky Oliver. Now, for those of you that don't know much about my background, uh, I started out doing a science degree, specialised in marine biology and ecotourism, and then I went back and did my postgrad in teaching and found myself in classrooms teaching maths and science. Now, some people often laugh and go, oh, you know, I couldn't, could never teach maths, but actually uh, it's one of my favourite things to teach. And uh, interestingly, today I'm talking to a, another homeschooling mother who is the author of a curriculum which brings mathematics out into the outdoors. Rachel Tidd is the author of Wild Math and Wild Reading, which are curriculums that are integrating the outdoors with natural materials in math education and also in early literacy. Now, she's a little bit like us. She became interested in teaching and learning outside after watching her two children thriving in an outdoor forest preschool. How about that? So today we are going to delve into the world of math curriculum and how we can bring that outside. So let's meet Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. I really want to start from the beginning because I love hearing people's stories. So can you tell me what led you to creating Wild Math and subsequently Wild Reading? What was the story behind that? Um, so basically both of my boys, I have a eight year old and 11 year old now, but when they were younger, they both went to a forest preschool and thrived. Um, my youngest kind of struggled with some sensory issues. And, um, when I approached his teachers about the issues we were having and we got him evaluated here in the United States, it's something that we do, um, when we need to get like services like occupational therapy or whatever. And they saw absolutely no issues, which was really striking to me. I'm a special ed teacher and I wasn't seeing, I was seeing so many issues at home. Um, And what really came out of that evaluation was that the outdoor environment of that forest preschool was meeting all of his sensory needs. And I really realized that if um, I was going to, you know, forest preschool doesn't last forever. Yeah. And um, how I was going to use that to help him learn things like math and reading when he got to kindergarten, first grade, and et cetera, like, you know, and higher. Yeah. And I started looking around and there was absolutely nothing out there. 
And so I just started experimenting and a friend said, you really need to write this down. I was like, Mm. no, 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 no. You need to really write this down. So I did. And that's how it started. um, And it just took off from there. So that's That's amazing. And I think that's where these amazing creations come out of is, is, is born of an authentic desire to help fulfill a need and especially when it's so personal as well right right and I started with math because there really just was nothing about math yeah um you know I never thought I'd write math curriculum but yeah do you know it's the interesting thing that I've observed within our homeschool community is that for the most part obviously generalizing but uh children actually gravitate towards working with numbers and patterns and they prefer that sometimes to reading Yes. Have you found that? Um, I feel like children, it's almost, it's almost cultural. Um, Mm. I feel like us as adults put so much emphasis on literacy. We're Mm. always pointing out letters and sounds and singing the ABCs, but we rarely point out numbers and patterns. And I think children naturally are drawn to both things and maybe math more innately earlier, Um, you know, um, because they can recognize number really, really early. Um, You know, the difference between two and two objects and like five objects they can discern um, really early. They might not be able to count them, but they can tell which one's more or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like culturally we just kind of gravitate towards literacy and we don't value the math as much. Yeah. So do you think that there's a big barrier there with um, parents sometimes? Uh, are you a homeschooling mom as well? Yes. So you, yeah. So just so I can contextualize this yeah. a bit as well, I think sometimes for homeschooling, particularly new homeschooling parents around the subject of maths, um, how do you think bringing the learning outside helps that? I think it can help in that it's it's very different than how we learned. Most of us that are homeschoolers probably went to school ourselves, mm. um, um, and a lot of homeschoolers are very shy away from math. Um, And I think that it's pretty accessible and it's so concrete, um, you know, and it's not like a scary math manipulative. It's a pine cone or, you know, whatever, a stick. It makes it more accessible to parents and you can kind of learn along with your child. I kind of feel like that's, that's homeschooling anyway. Right. But it's more, it's more relaxed. There's more, less, it's less serious than if you were to sit down at the kitchen table or to try to do a workbook or some something like that. Yeah. And I think it, it makes it real because you are actually outside and you're in your right. environment. And so that it, it's um, it has meaning behind it as well. Right. And I tried to make everything what I I tried to do while writing a lot of it was to make it really hands-on and to kind of especially math, to make what you would uh, be learning at least, uh, and it's similar in Australia, in Canada, um, in England, where I looked at all the standards to make sure that what we were doing was hitting those standards. Yeah. It just may look a little different. So it's very similar to what would be on a worksheet in a classroom, Yeah, but we're just doing it a little bit differently and with different materials. Does that make all sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely it does. So let's go with that and let's talk a little bit more about why Wild Math is so special. 
Yeah, well, there's not a lot of math curriculums out there that um, are pretty much designed to be done outside. Um, And for the most part, it uses natural materials. I do give a lot of substitutions for people that may have um, a hard time accessing, depending where you live, you know, some things can be harder to find. Um, People in the desert have a hard time finding sticks. And so I'm like, you you know, you don't, you don't think about it. You know, there's, there's only so many things. Um, So I really advocate, you know, substituting what it grows or lives where you are. I show what I have and I have available, right. But I know that doesn't cover everyone and people that live in urban environments too, can't always get their hands on, but it doesn't mean they can't do math outside. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much you can do with sidewalk chalk and in parks and all kinds of things. But um, yeah, so wild math just basically takes regular grade level math expectations. And we try to do them outside. I do a lot of games. I also am a big person. I'm really into like doing games instead of repetitive like drills or worksheets. Um, So I have game lists in the back of every unit. So um, if your child needs more practice in their addition facts or subtraction facts, you can play games as opposed to drilling them with um, worksheets, which has been shown really not to be super effective beyond like 10 problems. So yeah, that's basically the premise. Like, um, in fifth grade, I teach fractions with mud pies. Yes. So that's really fun. Um, you know, you can even multiply fractions that way. You can show division that way of fractions, um, place values with sticks, you know. I guess too, I think that it helps them to understand the concept behind it as well. Yes. Not just, you you know, because sometimes that, the, the the reason why we're doing something is lost because everyone's just focused on the outcome in the end or just getting it. Yes. But actually understanding what it means in real life is a really missing step sometimes in in this in, in particularly mathematical concepts. So it's really handy to have it a, a manipulate like some some way to manipulate it or to visualize how the patterns and the numbers work in real life. Right. What's you, yeah. What's your favorite, what's your favorite activity that you love to do? The fractions are fun uh, yeah. for sure with the mud pies. And I start with, the, you know, showing fractions very early with mud pies. Um, I also love using like a scale and just putting out, I'm a pretty like play-based person. And so my kindergarten has a lot of play-based ideas, like putting a a scale, like a pan balance type scale yeah. in, the, in a play area or a mud kitchen outside with natural materials and kind of just seeing what that inspires. Yeah. Because there's just so much learning when kids are playing around with that kind of material. Yeah. You know, and the discussions you can have with your child while they're doing that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I kind of like doing that kind of thing or playing store. There's so much with money. <sighs> love. I love watching children play store and they yeah. come up with their own little micro economies on their own. One of my favorites is measurement. I absolutely love how easy measurement can be done outside. Yes. I incorporate yes. graphing that. too. Graphing can yeah. be done. Absolutely. You know, like data, bird, mm. wa- like watching the birds. I mean, you can even do it from, we've done it. 
we have pretty hard winters here mm-hmm. um, with lots and lots of snow and very cold temperatures. And sometimes we have done like graphs of the birds we see come to our feeder, uh, you know, from inside yeah. as like a, a math activity. And that's kind of fun to, or graph. We've also graphed how much snow we've gotten in 24 hours. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, There's so many ways in which you can actually, you know, all of that. I can remember, and I'm, I'm a math teacher as well, but more high school, just how, you know, you do it out of a textbook and it's boring and it doesn't feel like it's real for the right. students. And I mean, there's lots of ways in which we tried to make it real, but to just incorporate it into everyday life can just show how valuable it is. Um, one of the activities I love to do, well, I, beach school is one of my areas that yeah. I love doing. Um, and I love doing, you know, scale and measurement and like estimating the size of animals. So we'll often oh, yeah. without a, a, you know, the tape measure or, sorry, we'll estimate the size of, say, a metre in Australia, in um, in metric system. Yeah, I do a lot of metric. (laughs) How how big do you think, you know, a bottlenose dolphin is? How how big do you think a humpback whale is? How how big do you think a blue whale is? And we all estimate and then throw out the the actual tape measure and see how close we get to actually see the scale of things. And I just think that's so much more valuable doing it that way than to just have a, you know, blue whale is 30 meters and blah, 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 you know, and you're doing it just. Absolutely. It doesn't, you can't see it. You can't see it, the magnitude and then bring all of the other learning about environments and habitats. And it's not just about the maths. It's about all of the ways in which we, in which life is just a mixture of everything that we've compartmentalized into different sets of thinking. It's amazing how, when you take it out of the textbook, the connections to all of the other things that or, you know what I mean? Like when yeah. you start, when you said that, right, you're just like thinking about now we're talking about habitat and now we're talking mm. about this and, you know, like other animals and comparing and like it just can like, you know, grow to like include so many other things and you just get so much learning out of that one one activity, right? That's right. It's just like that starter. It can be just that start of a, an idea that leads to all of these other questions that can come that may not actually be about maths at all, which is great right. because that's life, because life isn't just about, you know. Right. It's more about the connections between everything. Yeah. Is we don't want them to think compartmentalized, right? Because that's, that's exactly not how right. we solve problems. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> um, I was reading some of the reviews that people have left about your curriculums. What do you think are some of the really interesting things that they've said about learning outdoors and using your resources? Oh, wow. Um, I love hearing from people that this, like how it's helped their child who probably struggled with the traditional math program and how this finally made kids not hate what they were doing. Like it kind of unlocked it for them a little bit um, and made their parents' life a little happier. I mean, I will yeah. say it is not for everybody, right? I mean, yep. it's a definite, like, special thing. You know, not <laughs> everyone has can do it. And, and you don't have to do it all outside. There's a lot of people that do, like, one day outside and, or combine it with a more traditional curriculum, which I think is fine. There's, you know, variations and for everybody. Yeah. You have to make it work for yourself and your family. And that's totally fine. 
I never want people to feel like they have to do everything outside, but you no. could, but you could, uh, if right. you wanted to. Um, but you know, it's, it's great when people are like using it to get their kid out of the workbook. For me, that's like, yeah. to get them, you know, it's just so much more math is so much more than the workbook. And I feel like every person that I hear from that it's made a big difference and made their kid like math again, that yeah. it's really helpful. I think too, it, it, it's the simplicity to it as well, you know, like that you right. can, you can, you don't have to buy expensive resources and right. in order to deliver a very rich experience for your children. Right. Right. And yeah, you don't need all the plastic squares, counters, yeah. etc. I don't know. There's just so much out there. Right. Um, but you can make so many of them and just use what's out there in nature. Absolutely. What are some of the resources that you recommend for parents to have available to encourage mathematical thinking and curiosity? Um, well, definitely. We talked about the scale. I think that's mm. like a must have. I always like to recommend that people, um, especially if they're like into outdoor excursions or to spend a lot of time outside, I always carry a super long like um, measuring tape. Yep. Um, with me, I always carry chalk with me, a permanent marker because you can draw on leaves and yeah. write on leaves, which is really handy. And chalk, you can draw on rocks, on tree trunks, you know, and it just brushes away. We've done a lot of like math when we see something cool or a giant tree and the kids are like, oh my gosh, this is such a big tree. And it's like, oh, I wonder how big, you know, you, I wonder how mm. big it is around. Let's measure it. And when you actually have that tool to do it, it's like, yes, yeah. school win. Yeah, that's um, right. Because um, so many times you have these ideas and you're like, oh, we'll do that right. another time. And then that other time doesn't really. Right. Come. Yeah. A little paper and a pencil. I like to have those things with me like mm. all the time so I can just like whip it out. I'm sure my children will remember this and groan. Like yeah. mom always had, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I also like no. rope. It's very useful. Mm. So you can, if you have a, like uh, a set length, like, uh, you know, a meter, you can use that end over end to measure larger distances. You know, you can, if you have two um, pieces, you can make Venn diagrams. It's oh, of handy. course. Yeah. 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 Great tips. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've just also released Wild Reading. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yes, that was um, an enormous undertaking um, because reading has so many moving parts. I found it much less straightforward than writing the math because you, I really wanted to I'm a special ed teacher by training and I actually yep. taught more reading than math as a teacher because yep. that was my specialization. I really wanted to make a reading program that integrated the outdoor and nature stuff that I love so much, as well as like pieces of things that I really like to use when I teach reading, like the Montessori movable alphabet yeah. and, um, and have a solid backbone in the science of reading and how our brains learn to read. Um, because I don't know about how reading is taught in Australia, but in the United States, somehow we got way off track of mm. teaching children to read from 
how we know brains learn to read and kind of and in most schools, I mean, even as recently as a couple of years ago when I taught in a local public school, we're still teaching these ways that kind of counteract what we know about the brain. Yeah, yeah. And so I really wanted to create something that could help guide parents and teachers when their children are starting to learn to read and integrate the outside, you know, the outdoors, kind of yeah. like wild math. Um, and it's just a lot to to put all in one. And it ended up being yeah. like 400 pages. So it's it's big. I think it's really great. And I tried to make it fun and not really boring because sometimes phonics can be really boring. Yeah. For lack of a better word, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it kind of has a story um, that a really good friend of mine and teacher um, Monica Bosworth wrote this story that introduces each letter sound, which is the theme of the week. Yep. And then um, after six weeks, we get to letter A and we start introducing letter families like at, right? Because yep. we have enough letters to make words. And so each week after that, there's more word families are introduced and you go through all the letter sounds. And the story is about a little mouse named Matilda. And she goes on this epic adventure up this mountain with her friend, Fred. And each week is a different kind of step in that journey. So there's kind of this story-based element, and we work a lot on vocabulary and mm. listening. Um, so it's good for, like, if you also have older kids that are around as well, because there's a lot of really good vocabulary, vocabulary like that was yeah. new even to me. You know, and the definitions are in there, cheat sheets. You know, it's it kind of, it's made it so that you can kind of combine. Like you can have your older, you know, your all of your kids. Yeah. You know, you can read the story and everyone's getting something out of it. That's brilliant. Because right? as, as homeschooling families, you are often having to manage multiple ages at one time. Absolutely. So if it's a read aloud, and they're short, you know, and yep. then they usually write like um, you, there's a ton of words for that letter in the story. And so you list out as many as you can think of. If you have older kids, they can do the writing or you do yeah. the writing. And then they copy a few um, themselves. Um, my older, I have an 11 year old and he would write the, a few of the definitions for some of the harder words or write them in a sentence, etc. So it was kind of like you could do two things at once. Yeah, I love activities that you can scale like that and yeah, uh, and, and, and then implement for older children. It's it's so nice to at least have something that you can kind of like get both kids doing something right instead of just one waiting. Like my eleven year old sometimes has to do a lot of waiting. Yeah, for me to work with the young, you know, because he's just more independent, right? But it's yeah. nice to have something they can both do, and you're like checking the boxes off of things that you have to do. Um, so I tried to be mindful of that. It's very well planned out. It has like a little weekly schedule and and how to integrate. And I tried to build in flexibility. There's a lot of enrichment activities that go in that you can choose to do or not to to do based on that letter theme. So like for M, there's a lot about monarch butterflies or moths, uh, yeah. um, that kind of thing. So um, I tried to make it so that you could like choose something that would be relevant or that your child might like. That's a um, cool idea. Yeah. Or worked in your season, depending on when you were doing it. 
Yeah, and I think it, um, you know, just got my little business hat on here and just, um, you know, there's so much work goes into these sorts of things and so I just want to highlight that for people that when you are accessing resources that people have put their souls into that, you know, if it's well planned out that you do need to invest in those people, um, that they deserve to have their work compensated so, yeah, like I just I, sometimes I think that, you know, we're always looking for, you know, inexpensive things and free things. Right. But sometimes we really need to invest in the, the fact that people have put the time and research and, and heart and soul into to some of these resources. And it's definitely worth, worth a, the investment. It's a really good point. Yeah. Like if people knew like how much time I put into this over the yeah. last couple of months, especially yeah. um, like I was getting up at 3am um, to work on this and then, ha- you know, be able to see my children and then go yeah. back at it. Um, Cause I think people, f- I get funny emails all the time and people forget. It's like, I am homeschooling my own children too. Yeah. You know, oh, too. Yeah. Now I'm getting the emails. When's level two coming up? I'm like, well, I needed <laughs> to take a little break. Yeah. Absolutely. And, this took me a year, so yeah. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love that. I love that um, people are able to combine a lifestyle of homeschooling their children and also being able to support financially their families and bringing creations out and, and using their creativity as well. Like um, I'm a huge advocate for that. So I think you've done an amazing job and I know that our homeschooling communities are very, very lucky to be able to have this resource available to them. Um, What are some of your um, tips or advice that you would give to parents that are new to homeschooling, just on a personal note? Yeah, I always think that new homeschool parents kind of get really overwhelmed because it is overwhelming Um, and they try to pack in too much and they're worried Mm. about all of the things. And I, I'm a real advocate of like simplicity. um, And I like to make it really simple. And I know not everyone agrees, but I like really focus on the main, the main subjects for younger kids. It's reading and math for my older kid. It is writing and math. And that is the main thing I focus on. Um, and we spend, you know, we school year round, but, um, on days we don't have like forest school or whatever, they spend an hour on those things. And then they have the rest of the day that they can do whatever they want or we do, you know, field trips and read. I mean, we do plenty of my kids are big readers. Yeah. All of the things that are always hit, but at least those things that are pretty sequential, like reading, writing, and math, mm. are covered. Um, and then you can feel good that you've got something. But when you start adding in, you know, 10 different curriculums, it's crazy. <laughs> you won't get, yeah, you, you won't get you're it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to, no. you're never, you're going to burn out. And you'll lose the love of learning for your kids as well. Right. And when you're new to homeschooling, it's hard to get out of that school mindset that you have to do all of these subjects yeah. um, for this amount of time. And as a teacher, I know how little you actually get done. Um, my first graders pretty much did a worksheet for math after a 15 minute lesson. And when I say in wild math, like you don't need to spend more than 15 minutes on math 
it's true. And maybe throw a game in there and you're yeah. good. You know, I think that's so important for people to know because I think as teachers, we know the reality of it. And right. um, but to actually make that really understood by parents who haven't been in a classroom since they were children and, you know, five of those years they were almost adults. So they don't really remember particularly being young and in a right. classroom, how much time was actually spent doing work. Um, and also I think during the COVID schooling that happened, oh, yes. a lot of people thought that they had to do so much with their children in a day. Um, and that, and that's the way that I think teachers felt this pressure too, to be right. delivering a day's worth of activities for children to do at home when, because the reality is that's not what happens in a classroom, but that's the perception. So, right. right. And, and if that, kids and, finished it in yeah. 30 minutes, right, there are four worksheets, it's because they were by themselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No and they had someone helping them or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think it's really important for parents to realise that just because a school day is, you know, nine to three or what, you know, a variation of those hours does not mean that homeschool has to be that much of, you know, dedicated learning time because, you know, children are always learning anyway. Oh, I know. So, yeah. I was really surprised. I I had a special teaching position like two years ago and, um, and it was after homeschooling for, I don't know, my son's 11. So, eight years, whatever, mm. know, six years, depending on when you count schooling <laughs> start. Exactly. And um, I was really surprised on how little time they had to read or be read mm. to, you know, yeah. uh, first grade for us here in the States is age six. And they basically were lucky if they had one read aloud of one picture oh. book. And as homeschoolers, I'm like, really? You know, like I'm used to yeah. stack, you know, like at that yeah. age. So if you think about that, most of us read to our kids every day. And so they're getting so much more, you know, so yes, you're spending 15 minutes on math at 15 minutes or whatever on reading, but there's all those other things that you're doing. Yeah. yeah. I And I really remember, like I vividly remember my teachers sitting us down and reading, you know, chapter books to us. And, right. um, you know, like I remember you know, Matilda, Roald Dahl, all of, you know, right. as an author, I, I remember sitting on the floor and being so excited. But I bet they only read a chapter or two. Yeah, absolutely. That whole um, day, you were there for six hours. <laughs> yeah. And and then, um, and I know that we got a lot more reading time when I was younger than what they get now. Right. Um, and access to a whole heap of different books as well. So, yeah, it has changed completely. And And I guess when you're at home, they have the opportunity to sit and do that all day if they want to. Right. Um, right. And just being so engaged. in And it's different um, when you can choose the books and, yeah, you know, so much of our reading instruction, like they schedule like an hour and a half a lot of the time over the day, but so much of it is like very compartmentalized of like Mm. writing this or reading this one little thing. And all that adds up to their reading, but it doesn't include read aloud. Yeah, yeah. So definitely being a little bit more diverse in, in what we allow children to read and, and having that opportunity um, to do that in, in a day when you're homeschooling, I guess, and taking that pressure off ourselves is a great piece of advice. Yeah, and valuing all those things that we do that are yeah. 
you know, that when we sit down and read a stack of books after going to the library, that that's really valuable and mm. that kids might not be getting that in school, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, every time we, we love field trips and going places, yes, you know, and every time I do it, I'm always like, wow, we, you know, you could be sitting in the classroom right now, or we could be, you know, uh, like when we were skiing in the winter, you know, it's like, wow, this is a lot better than the 30 minutes of PE you might have gotten. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and, and the other thing I also love about homeschooling um, is watching children find interest in just watching what other children have been learning and doing. So when they have little conversations with each other and you can you can see them saying, oh, I just read Harry Potter. And then next minute your child comes home and says, oh, do you reckon we could read Harry Potter? You know, like and, right. and they're, they're, they're t- picking up on other children's interests and things and then deciding whether that's something that they would like to also um, delve into. Right. And it's, it's like it's just free from this pressure or this peer pressure and it's just such so much more of an open curiosity. Right. Or they get into things together. Like mm. my 11-year-old really likes writing little zines or magazines with his mm. friends and they like write little articles and he has like a typewriter and <laughs> they like type up the, you know, and all of that is amazing writing. And yeah. now he's getting, you know, into, because I have all this graphic design stuff for wild uh math and reading now on my computer. So he's like, show me how to make it look really cool. (laughs) And, you know, and it's amazing learning that he just, you know, it's like down this little rabbit trail. Absolutely. uh, It's like, I could never, you know, if I forced him to write that much, it wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. It it just might happen, but it wouldn't be as, you know. Not, not as intrin- like intrinsically motivated and yeah. where they're so proud of their own outcomes rather than I've just done this because mum's asked me to. Right. And they just like have this insatiable, like, we're going to, you know, make write about this article and this article. Mm. I have two more things to write. And, you know. That's like, Okay. Go I for it. So <laughs> I'll just let it be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's so great. I'm sure our audience is really keen to check out your curriculum. So where's the best way for them to find out all the information? Yeah, the best way to find me is on our new website, discoverwildlearning.com. And we also, I love to post on Instagram at Wild Math Curriculum. And um, I'm also on Facebook and we have some Facebook groups that can help you out as well. Brilliant. Excellent. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today and sharing all about your wild reading and wild math curriculum. And I hope it's inspired some of our listeners to take the learning outside and um, think outside the box and to create those memories with your kids, which I think is an extra bonus. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. new to homeschooling or if you're just looking for some inspiration and ways in which your children can learn outdoors make sure you check out rachel's wild math and wild reading curriculum we'll have all the links in our show notes for you to jump on there and see if that's something that would really work in well with your family's rhythms we love to say here that everything you can do indoors can be done outdoors and this may just well be the inspiration you need to start doing that more regularly with your kids if you've enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that those new episodes are delivered straight to your device every week and so you don't miss any more moments of inspiration or motivation from the amazing guests that we have here with us most weeks as always we love doing this journey with you so until next week 
stay wild. <laughs>